This is Creepy, a podcast dedicated to sharing the most famous, chilling, and disturbing creepy pastas and urban legends in the world. Whether these stories truly happened or are simply fabrications is for you to decide. These stories may contain graphic depictions of violence and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Creepy presents The 31 Days of Horror Day 30 Today we delve into one of the internet's most famous stories with a double dose of the Slender Man. First up, a little bit of his history. The Slender Man is an alleged paranormal figure purported to have been in existence for centuries, covering a large geographic area. Believers in the Slender Man tie his appearance in with many other legends around the world, including Ferdub, or the Dark Man, in Scotland, the Dutch Takenman, Branch Man, and the German legend of Der Grobman, or Der Grossmann, the Tall Man. Appearance The Slender Man is a being, male in appearance, who looks like a man with extremely long, slender arms and legs. He also appears to have four to eight long black tentacles that protrude from his back. Though different photographs and enthusiasts agree on this fact, and therefore it's theorized that he can contract these tentacles at will. He's described as wearing a black suit, strikingly similar to the visage of the notorious Men in Black, and as the name suggests, appears very thin and able to stretch his limbs and torso to inhuman lengths in order to induce fear and ensnare his prey. Once his arms are outstretched, his victims are put into something of a hypnotized state, where they are utterly helpless to stop themselves from walking into them. He's also able to create tendrils from his fingers and back that he uses to walk on in a similar fashion to Dr. Octopus. The superhuman stretching ability could also be seen as similarity between himself and Mr. Fantastic. Whether he absorbs, kills, or merely takes his victims to an undisclosed location or dimension is also unknown, as there are never any bodies or evidence left behind in his wake to deduce a final conclusion. His face is pale and slightly ghostly, and almost appears to have been wrapped in a type of gauze or cloth. His facial features are also an object of debate, as many people believe that his face looks different to each person, if it is seen at all. He sometimes is portrayed wearing a hat, which is sometimes a bowler, a fedora, or sometimes a top hat. He may also be wearing a long flowing necktie or scarf, which is either red or gray. He often keeps his long pale hands crossed politely behind his back or hanging loosely at his sides. His suit is black, sometimes portrayed as pinstripe in artwork. A common misconception thanks to the very similar Jack Skellington from Nightmare Before Christmas. He has long coattails which he lets flow proudly. He wears long dress shoes, which are always shined a perfect, gleaming black. Behavior Much of the fascination with Slender Man is rooted in the overall aura of mystery that he's wrapped in. 
Despite the fact that it's rumored he kills children almost exclusively, it's difficult to say whether or not his only objective is slaughter. Oftentimes it's either reported or recorded that he can be found in sections of woods, and these generally tend to be suburban. He also has been reported seen with large groups of children, as many photographs portray. It is commonly thought that he resides in woods and forests and preys on children. He seems unconcerned with being exposed in the daylight or captured in photos. It is often thought as well that he enjoys stalking people who become overly paranoid about his existence, purposefully giving them glimpses of himself in order to further frighten them. For this reason, it seems like Slender Man very much enjoys psychologically torturing his victims. He also often appears to float or drift around rather than walk, which suggests a possibility of him being an ethereal being rather than a creature or a man. This would also explain why he is able to remain mobile in spite of his poorly proportioned body. Even though Slender Man was fabricated on something awful forums, or was he? Some people have already claimed sightings. He is seen mostly at night, peering into open windows and walks out in front of lone motorists on secluded roads. His main intentions appear to be kidnapping children, as when he is seen near them in photographs, they usually disappear shortly afterwards. The Slender Man has also inspired many stories, such as those of marble hornets. In the end, though, his purpose remains unknown. An interesting take on Slender Man, by a pasta member who is relying on the Marble Hornet series for evidence and facts. There's been a big misconception about my pal the Slender Man due to the appearance of this article. He does not have hair or a face. Everything else is correct. There's also some questioning as to whether or not there's more than one. I find that unlikely. It's most likely Slendy fucking with your head in order to make you think there's more than one, which he's been known to do. As of now, Slendy has three or four known accomplices. These are Hoodie, Masky, The Rake, and possibly The Observer. Not much is known yet because the next episode of the Noah Maxwell ARG has not yet been released. In the Marble Hornets ARG, Hoodie and Masky are possibly his followers. In the Everyman Hybrids ARG, the rake seems to be working with him, but we aren't really sure if that is true or not. Historical References Brazilian Cave Paintings The earliest argued reference to the legend is within the cave paintings found in the Serra de Capivara National Park in the northeast of Brazil, which are believed to date from as far back as 9000 BC. These paintings show a strangely elongated character leading a child by the hand, but make no reference to the extra appendages. Egyptian Hieroglyphics The next known possible reference to the Slender Man comes from around 3100 BC, in Lower Egypt, with references to the Thief of the Gods, or the King of Cook, becoming commonplace during the reign of Pharaoh Wasner. Hieroglyphic carvings representing the thief were found in the pharaoh's tomb, who was rumored to have had some kind of encounter with the entity. The carvings resemble a strange figure with multiple upper limbs, one that has never been found in any other hieroglyph language. 
German woodcuts. Renowned German woodcutter Hans Freckenberg created at least two woodcuts featuring a character he described as Der Ritter, the knight, during the mid-16th century that were discovered in Halsberg Castle in 1883. Whilst Freckenberg was well known for his realistic depiction of human anatomy, something that was unusual among woodcuts at the time, these pictures featured a skeletal, multi-limbed character. Historians are unsure of the exact symbolic nature of the character, with some claiming that it's a personification of the religious wars that raged in Europe at the time, while others say it represents the mysterious plagues that have been believed to be the reason for the mysterious abandoning of the Halsberg Castle and the nearby village in 1543. However, many insist that Freckenberg was attempting to represent Der Grobman, the tall man. According to legend, he was a fairy who lived in the Black Forest. Bad children who crept into the woods at night would be relentlessly chased by Der Grobman, who wouldn't leave them be until he either caught them or they were forced to tell their parents of their wrongdoing. Even then, there's a chilling account from an old journal dating from about 1702. My child, my Lars, he is gone, taken from his bed. The only thing that we found was a scrap of black clothing. It feels like cotton, but it is softer, thicker. Lars came into my bedroom yesterday, screaming at the top of his lungs that the angel is outside. I asked him what he was talking about and he told me some nonsense fairy story about Dark Robman. He said he went into the graves by our village and found one of my cows dead hanging from a tree. I thought nothing of it at first, but now he is gone. We must find Lars, and my family must leave before we are killed. I am sorry, son. I should have listened. May God forgive me. Romanian mythology. There's also a Romanian fairy tale which tells the legend of the tall man, featuring this description which many have taken to refer to the slender man. The tall man stood in a clearing dressed as a nobleman, all in black. Shadows lay over him, dark as a cloudy midnight. He had many arms, all long and boneless as snakes all sharp as swords, and they writhed like worms on nails. He did not speak, but he made his intentions known. In the fairy tale, the tall man causes a mother to kill her husband and child before he slid from a fireplace and clenched her in his burning embrace. English Mythology there's also an English myth referring to the tree man, whom is said to have a slim body with appendages that look like tree branches. He's only known to be seen in the woods and was used as a story that parents told their children to thwart bad behavior. There have been quite a few disappearances of children that have been said to be linked to the tree man. And now... Tall, thin, and faceless. Walls. White walls. White padded walls. Day in, 
day out. White padded walls. Let me tell you why I see these white padded walls day in and day out. I am, or at least according to several doctors, certifiably insane. Hallucinations, paranoia, schizophrenia, multiple personality disorder, the list goes on and on. I was a normal working class man living the American dream. I had a wife and two children. My income was high and my debt was low. I had it all. Then things started to go wrong. They started to go in a direction I couldn't even fathom. My wife and I always wanted to go to the British Isles, but for the longest time the money wasn't there. It took seven years and two promotions before we could even begin to think realistically. Anyway, after months of careful planning and preparation, we were on a plane flying over the Atlantic Ocean. Just me and her. No kids, no job. Nothing but beautiful scenery and relaxation for 24 straight days. Pass forward a week. Having taken in many of the big city sites, we decided to see some of the smaller places out in the countryside. We packed a small bag of essentials and took a cab into the rural side of England. This is where things started to go wrong. Not the whole world is coming to an end wrong, even though it sure felt like it. Just wrong. We came across an old tailor in a moderately decorated cabin. He said he'd been making suits for over 65 years. My interest was piqued. I decided to splurge a little bit and buy one. Nothing beats the craftsmanship of a home-tailored suit. After paying for it and calling for a cab, a picture on the wall caught my eye. It was old, black and white, mid-fifties. It was a very tall and very slim-suited man standing on a grassy plain. His face appeared to be smudged out. It was old. I didn't think much of it. Even though something about this picture was unnerving. It gave an odd vibe. It felt almost... menacing. I inquired about the photo, but the old man refused to talk about it. That just added fuel to my mental fire. Days upon days passed. My wife and I took in every site, every castle, every grassy knoll we possibly could, but... Alas, eventually we had to go home. Part of us wanted to stay, but we were exhausted. There was no way we could spend any longer there. Our flight back home was vague, as we were both asleep most of the time. The drive back home was hazy. We just wanted to relax. As I pulled into the driveway, something was off. Something didn't feel right. I got the same feeling I had when I saw the picture inside the tailor's home. It was a feeling of dread and curiosity. I didn't want to continue, but my mind forced me to. 
I stepped out of my car and when I stood onto the concrete, my legs suddenly gave out. I fell to the ground onto my right hand and felt myself unable to force myself up. I must be more tired than I thought. My wife helped me up and supported me up to the bedroom. I was going to be asleep for a very long time. Or so I thought. That night I was plagued by nightmares of the suited man on the grassy plain. It wasn't really a bad dream as much as it was his presence haunting me in my subconscious. Just standing there. Unnaturally tall, unnaturally thin. Standing there without a face. Without an identity and no matter how hard I tried his face never focused. It was as though the picture had come alive in my thoughts but remained unchanged. This went on until I'd been abruptly woken up by the sound of the smashing of a lamp. I raced down two flights of stairs leading from the bedroom to the living room, armed only with a brick we used as a doorstop. I slowly crept to where the only lamp in our house used to be. I knelt down to pick up a piece to examine, and I felt a slight blow of wind from behind me. Like a person running past. I shot up faster than a startled cat. I spun around to see what or who it was. My eyes had still not adjusted, so surrounding me was nothing but darkness. My next thought was to listen. Nothing. Not a single thing. Not even the sound of a house settling. Maybe it was my nightmare or fatigue playing tricks on me. Maybe we had a slight tremor that caused the lamp to inch off of the table. (sighs) Regardless, I was tired and I sorely wanted to get some nightmare-free sleep. It didn't happen. Throughout the rest of the night, the slender man was everywhere within my dreams. He was a bit curious, though. He only ever seemed to cautiously hide behind trees. Only in the original photo was he completely exposed. Even subconsciously, I wished I hadn't moved next to a forest knowing he could be lurking. Watching me. Analyzing me. It didn't take long to force myself awake. 10.46 a.m. I looked to my left. I looked to my right. My wife was calmly sleeping. Lucky her. I dragged myself out of bed and slowly made my way downstairs. I half expected the TV to be blaring with my kids' eyes glued to the screen, but then I realized they were at their grandma's house. They were due back that day. I was going to miss the quiet. It was alright, I missed my kids even more. I continued down the stairs hoping to get a game of solitaire in on the computer when something made me feel very weak and hollow. The lamp wasn't broken, but it wasn't brand new either. Someone took the pieces and shoddily glued them back together. And glue 
wasn't glue. It was black and rubbery like tar. I would have tasted it for origin, but that's never a good idea. My wife needed to wake up. Soon. I was starting to panic. I explained what happened the night before, about the lamp and the nightmare and such. She just rolled her eyes and told me I was on something. <sighs> Wives. Sometimes I think they do it on purpose. Still feeling uneasy from this morning, I managed to force myself to look out into the forest behind our house. It was very calm. Nothing out of the ordinary. It wasn't completely dark, so it didn't look nearly as ominous as it usually did at night. I was badly lamenting this night in particular. Suddenly I saw a light out of the corner of my eye that caused me to nearly jump out of my skin. It was just the kids getting dropped off. I swear I was sinking too much into this. I couldn't keep my nerves steady half the time. Hours passed. We played with the children, we put them to bed, we relaxed on the couch. My wife was asleep on my chest. I was nodding off. I slowly closed my eyes. It wasn't long before the quiet was broken and my wife and I were woken up. A window broke upstairs. In a panic flurry, we ran up the stairs as fast as we could. Our eldest son, scared out of his mind, said it came from his brother's room. Without even thinking, I kicked the door in. Only the nightlight in the far corner brought light into the pitch black room. And there he was. The man from my dreams. The slender man. Hovering over my son's bed. Having seen him, I acted without even knowing what was going on. Punches were thrown. Long black tendrils whipped all around. The last thing I remember was being held tightly above the ground and thrown against the wall. That's when I blacked out. When I came to, my wife was in tears. I had three cracked ribs. My son was gone. The slender man had my son and there was nothing I could do. But I knew he was going to come back. And that was when I would get him. The rest of the day was full of emotion. My wife could hardly stop crying. My other son was in a constant state of shock. I could barely think straight. I did, however, manage to call the police. I told them that my son had been abducted by a man in a long black suit. I kept the details of the tendrils to myself in fear they wouldn't believe me. But that was the least of my worries. I needed to figure out when he would return. The police showed up and took each of our statements. They examined my son's room. They did a quick scour of the forest outside. It seemed not a single piece of evidence was found. They'd begun to leave when something hanging from a very high up branch caught their eye. It was a piece of material. Black. Pinstriped much like the suit I had bought while I was on vacation. I pointed this out to the police and they inquired to see my suit. I gladly showed them the way. When they opened the closet door, 
what they found was beyond belief. Wrapped in my now-tattered suit was my son, completely drenched in blood. He didn't look conscious. Both myself and the police were shocked and disgusted. That's when I blacked out. When I came to, I was in an unfamiliar place. Gray painted walls, small windows on one side of them, one exceptionally bland table. Great. I was in an interrogation room. I sat there, alone for the good part of an hour before actual human life entered the room with me. Now, my memory's a bit hazy at this point, so I'll try and sum up the conversation as best as possible. The officer had said, Your son didn't survive. Deepest sympathies to you and your family. You've not been proven guilty, but evidence leans towards it. A further investigation must be held. It will be brought home, but you will be under constant supervision. And so on and so forth. I was driven home in the back of a police cruiser. Last time I was there was in high school and vandalism was the cool thing to do. I was welcomed with open arms from my still sobbing wife and my emotionless son. Going back wasn't easy. Thankfully we didn't have to stay long. The police explained that we were going to stay at a hotel for a few days. We gathered our things when a picture from our fridge caught my eye. It was a picture my late son drew. When I saw it, my heart nearly stopped. In the cutest crayon drawing you can imagine was my son standing next to a tall, faceless man in a black suit. I made sure no one was around to see me stuff the picture into my pocket. The hotel was what you would normally expect. Simple wallpaper, two twin beds, one TV, cheap flowery design on everything else. It would have to do since we were stuck there. We settled in, placing out our stuff and lying down. I, on the other hand, went to the bathroom. The only place I knew was private. I locked the door and took the picture out of my pocket. I scoured the page for clues, but to no avail. All that was there was a crude drawing and his name scribbled into the bottom corner. The thing that unnerved me the most was the fact that the slender man had no face. No identity. Not a single outstanding feature. It rattled me to the core. But I had enough stress from today. I needed sleep. Badly. The night was rough, but I still managed to. Not a single dream was Slenderman, either. Then a banging came from the door. Being half asleep the whole time, it scared the shit out of me. I turned to my right. 5.14 a.m. Heads were gonna roll. I dragged myself out of bed and very slowly opened the door. It was a police officer that drove us here. He had a look of panic on his face. 
He said my son was missing. Nothing clicked. It took me a minute to wake up and grasp reality again. My son's body was missing. Snatched right from the hospital. But this time, I knew where he was. I had to get back to the forest. I had to find the remains of my suit. It was the only way to stop the slender man. But I knew it wasn't going to be easy. I had to ask the police officer if he could drive me back to my house as I'd forgotten something. He pondered a moment and obliged. This time I had been allowed to sit in the passenger seat. The ride there was quiet. I tried to get some sleep. He didn't start any conversation. When we got there, I was careful to make sure no one else saw me. I entered the house right through the front door and quickly escaped out the back and headed for the forest. It was still very dark out, so traversing the heavily wooded area was not easy. The only light that came through was that of the moon. So I walked, almost blind, hoping to find some scrap of my suit. It seemed to be impossible until, amidst the darkness, I saw a scrap of paper. The white of it stood out like a sore thumb. I leaned down to pick it up, and when I turned it around, what I saw completely horrified me. It was another drawing by my son, with both him and the Slender Man. But this one was different. There were three other people. A boy the same height as him, an older looking girl, and another boy as big as the girl. Then it dawned on me. It was us. My family. My son drew us in with the Slender Man. Then I saw a beam of light. It was the officer. I ran up to him and showed him the picture. I explained that my family was in great danger. All he told me was there was nothing he could do. He said we should go back to the car and we would go back to the hotel. A million thoughts ran through my head. Should I concede? Should I resist? What I did next is peanuts compared to what was about to unfold, but I didn't know, and looking back, I didn't want to. I gave in to the police officer's request and began to head back to the car. While he had his back towards me, I picked up a fair six stone and brought it down upon his head. He staggered a bit and fell to the ground. I took the car keys off him and ran towards the car. It was still dark. I needed to get back to the hotel. I screeched to an immediate halt in the hotel parking lot and ran towards the door where we were staying. I swung open the door to behold one thing I was trying to prevent. Amidst all the blood that painted the room were three bodies making a circle around the slender man. He turned and looked at me. His hollow, non-existent eyes stared deep into me. Emotions I had never felt before, emotions without names, filled my brain and body. It was like he was making me feel everything he ever had. And with an outstretched hand, he said only one thing. One thing that would be burned into the back of my mind forever. Help.
sirens came from behind me. I turned around to see the police cruisers pull into the parking lot and watch them get out. Using car doors as shields with their guns aimed at me, I raised my hands above my head. I slowly looked behind myself to see the slender man fade to nothing, leaving only a tattered suit in a heap on the floor. He killed my family. My life would never be the same. And yet, something told me I was never going to see him again. I would never be able to exact revenge if I could figure out how to. Everything up until the white padded walls isn't exactly clear to me. I've been told that after they saw me at the hotel with my DNA on the suit, I was made the primary culprit. After they arrested me and subjected me to frivolous testing to which they got nothing more than unintelligible noises, I was submitted to this place. The white padded walls. The same white padded walls I see all day, every day. No one will know what happened to me and my family. I write out the emotions that the slender man felt. I draw the things he's seen. They're what keep me here. I'm a victim of another man's emotion. Sometimes I feel like I've become him. Like we were the same being. That day, I learned something. We were. We were slender. For more information, including pictures and videos of the stories told on this podcast, or to suggest stories for future episodes, please visit us at CreepyPod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or email us at CreepyPod at gmail.com. All stories told on this podcast can be found at creepypastawikia.com and are protected by a Creative Commons license. Some rights reserved unless otherwise stated. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Item number SCP-5186 SCP-7160 SCP-7533 Object class Euclid Keter Safe Special containment procedures Spreading across the hemisphere and kicking up vast amounts of ash and dust 
But the only thing I could hear was at 7219 <laughs> laughing. Do you remember your name? Counseling. Appointment update. I feel them again. Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. They're in my ears! Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. Nobody understands! SCP Archives is a weekly fiction podcast. Each episode, we dive into the strange, the unknown, and the... Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at scparchives.com.